around the time that I was married for two years, I started noticing things coming to a climax. I could feel that my husband was unattracted to me. And it wasn't that I was physically unattractive. It was, I was emotionally unattractive. I was so needy and I was so insecure and I wanted him to validate me. And it was this vicious cycle because the more I needed him, the more repulsed he was by me. And the more repulsed he was by me, the more I needed him. And it was just on and on and on and on. And I remember that when I was a young teenager, I witnessed couples around us and I could tell when the man didn't like the woman. And I remember thinking to myself, I will never be that woman. I'm never going to be unattractive to my husband. I'm never going to be someone he doesn't want to be around. And I was becoming that woman. I started to do some research. At the time, I had started running and it started opening my mind to the idea that I could help myself. And so I started doing research and I came across this guy and his name was Matthew Hussey. And I think he's still on YouTube. It's been a long time since I've even looked at any of his information, but the information I got changed my relationship. It changed me as a woman and my view of how my, my role in my relationship and how to get the guy. So he had a, I don't know if it was a YouTube channel called how to get the guy, or you wrote a book, how to get the guy. But essentially what his message was at the time was in order to get the guy, you first have to get yourself. You have to like yourself for someone else to like you. And I started implementing the things that he suggested. And I really started to focus on myself and just not worry about how my husband felt about me, but just really go inside myself and start working on me. Start working on becoming someone that I liked and really pushing myself in the areas that I felt needed work. And it's crazy because it worked. Once I became someone I liked, my husband started to like me again. And the more I liked myself, the less needy I became. And the less needy I became, the more attractive I became to my husband. And here are a couple of tips of things you can do to start liking yourself and to rebuild that relationship with yourself. Maybe it's not even a rebuilding. Maybe you've never even built a relationship with yourself. Maybe you've had a perpetually self-loathing existence, which is devastating. And actually, more people than you think have that kind of existence. And I think that's why there's so many broken relationships because we teach people how to love us. And when we can't even love ourselves, we can't teach somebody to love us. We can't require from someone something we won't even give ourselves. And it's so important. Everything, everything comes from you. Your whole reality comes from you. Your whole life experience comes from within. And until we all change our focus to within, the world is not going to change. Our relationships aren't going to change. Our lives are not going to change. We have to look inside. That's the thing that's so hard about mental health, about insecurity, about relationships is it starts with us. 
no one can help us. We're the only person who can help us. And when we start helping ourselves, we open doors for the people around us to start helping themselves. We inspire them to help themselves. And we allow a good energy between us. But we have this like codependent mentality built into us where we think we're going to partner up with somebody and then they're going to fix our life and make everything right. And they're going to compensate for all our inadequacies. And that is not what a relationship that is healthy is supposed to be. Uh, it's really just two people who are on a journey together and they're sharing their journey because life is hard and we need a partner. That's what marriage should be. It should be an identity appreciation where two people really hold each other's identity in the utmost highest esteem and respect their endeavors and encourage each other, not just some codependent, you help me, I help you uh, situation. That, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because someone can't help you. Only you can help you. You can only enjoy and inspire each other. But to mentally help somebody is impossible. I think the first step to um, changing yourself is the ability to be kind to yourself. Because if you can't be kind to yourself, when you look inside, it's just a self-abuse. Because you're so mean about the things that you want to change and the things you don't like. But when you give yourself permission to be kind, then it opens up a vulnerability where self-honesty is actually more productive. And my, my approach is I try to treat myself like I would a friend. And the truth is I would never be as cruel to my friends as I have been to myself. I would never be so hard on myself. In fact, I believe in my friends. And I believe they can. I believe in their potential. And I cheer them on. I don't tear them down about the things that they endeavor about their shortcomings. I tell them, hey, don't feel so bad about it. It's not a big deal. Like, you got this. You can overcome this. And I try to treat myself the way I would treat a friend. And when I catch myself treating myself not how I would treat my friends, I stop. And I think, I would never do this to somebody. Why would I do this to myself? I follow a doctor on Instagram and his name is Daniel G. Amen. His Instagram is doc underscore Amen. And he's kind of quirky, but I really like him and I love what he has to say. And I love that he uses brain imaging and shows the difference of the brain and how it is affected by foods and how they can reverse um, dementia and Alzheimer's through diet. I think it's so important that we take care of our mental health because a lot of times the messages we're getting from our brain can be off if our brain is unhealthy. And feeling good about yourself really comes from um, how your brain is feeling. So it's important that we are aware. And I realized a couple years ago that Processed sugar really affects my mood and really I notice that I'm way more prone to depression when I'm eating processed sugar. So I try to avoid it as much as I can. 
And you might see me eating the ice cream and resist the urge to scream out hypocrite because I do consume processed sugar sometimes. But for the most part, I, I know it's my enemy. I know that I shouldn't be eating it. So I try to be really careful about my consumption when it comes to processed sugar. I think it's really, really important also that we are aware of what we're feeding our brains, like when it comes to media, movies, books, information. Um, I don't think there's right and wrong. I think there's healthy and unhealthy. And I think that you can get to a point that you are mentally obese. And the work to get back to a normal mental health is just seems overwhelming or maybe it's not getting back maybe you you've never even known a healthy mentality maybe you were raised in a extremely toxic environment where just you were handed down all this this obese mental gene where it's just heavy and you don't even know what it is to feel good mentally but trust me, you can feel good mentally, but you have to take the steps and it's going to be a lot of work. But that right there is action and belief that tells yourself, I am worth it. And right there, when you take the action to take care of yourself mentally, that is a huge statement to your subconscious. And that starts to snowball into something incredible and you start to feel self-worth. It's really, really hard to dig yourself out of a mental pit. And if you've been raised in a mental pit, it's especially, especially hard. But we're so fortunate that we have so much help at our fingertips nowadays with the internet. We can find all the tools that we need to help ourselves. And we can find people who can help us, who have uh, a lot of knowledge in this area. So the only reason why you would ever stay where you are if you are unhappy is because you're choosing that. Think about that. What you're not changing, you're choosing. I love knowing this. And every time I'm feeling a way that I don't want to feel, I tell myself, whatever I'm not changing, I'm choosing. And what do I want to choose? I obviously want to choose what's best for me. I obviously want to choose a good life for myself. I think until we recognize this, we're victims. But once we understand that anything we're not changing, we're choosing, then that gives us responsibility for our feelings, for our actions, for our reality, for everything that we allow in our life. And it's actually really empowering. It's heavy sometimes, but it's also really empowering. One thing that I see really trending right now is positive affirmations. And I think that it's so important that we are careful with positive affirmations because I know that my subconscious knows when I'm lying. And a positive affirmation without action is basically a lie. It's saying, I believe in you, but I'm scared and I don't think I'm enough to actually take action. So a positive affirmation can actually backfire on you if you're not willing to take action. It's important that we do affirm ourselves positively, 
but also that we take the next step and we actually take action in the direction of the things we want to change and the things we desire about us. You can tell yourself all day things about yourself, but they're not going to happen unless you take action. And that is the reality. Positive affirmations are important. Encouragement is important, but encouragement without action is just flattery. And in the end, what ends up happening is we actually start to lose respect for ourselves because we feel like you're a liar. I can't trust you. You say these things about me, but you don't actually believe them. So be careful. If you want to affirm yourself in a certain direction, then take action and actually actions speak louder than words. And even to your subconscious, actions speak louder than words. Take action because we set this boundary and we know that there's stability because we understand that what we tell ourselves is true and that we will always follow through and keep our word. And I think that our subconscious more than anyone wants to feel stability. And when we consistently are truthful with ourselves, then we begin to trust ourselves. And when we begin to trust ourselves, trust is where the magic happens when it comes to any kind of teamwork, when it comes to any kind of interaction. And it's so crazy that I'm talking about interacting with ourself because who is that? Who is interacting with who when we interact with ourselves? Something to think about. I love a quote that says, everything you desire is on the other side of fear. And I have found that to be true. There are so many things that I desire and I have not pursued because I was afraid of failure. And the truth is that when you push through fear, the gains that you make are worth the failure that sometimes comes with pushing through fear. You develop this resiliency and you realize you're not going to die. You might fall down, you might fail, but that's not the end of the world. And every time you get back up, you get stronger. So everything you desire is on the other side of fear. And the pushing through the fear is actually where the treasure is, if that makes any sense. But I have found that most of my self-worth has come through my efforts, not my affirmations. Growing up, my parents would repeat this verse to us. It said, take every thought captive. I love this verse, and I don't think that I fully comprehended the importance of it until I was an adult. But if we are not the gatekeepers of our thoughts, then our thoughts are going to take over. Our emotions are going to control our lives. Not every thought that pops into our head is true. And it's really, really important that we understand this. Years ago, I had a falling out with a friend and it caused a huge insecurity in me socially. And when I would go to any social gathering, when I would leave, I would have these crazy thoughts like, everybody thinks you're lame. They're all laughing at you. They think you're a loser. You're socially retarded. You're not cool at all. These horrible thoughts that they were crazy. And it took every ounce of self-control to not fall into believing these lies that my own mind was telling me. I had to be very, very careful. I had to affirm myself 
because these thoughts were devastating. And I just had to tell myself, no, it's not true. That's not true. First of all, you don't know what people are saying about you and what other people say or think about you is none of your business. You cannot control that. And what really matters is how you feel about you. And I began to try to take care of myself and really work on becoming someone that I liked and I was proud of because these thoughts were just feeling me with de- with doubt. And um, it's so important that we are really careful. It It's so crazy that our own mind would play tricks on us like this and treat us like this. But your mind is not always on your side, it seems. And it's really important that we check our thoughts. Otherwise, our emotions can take over and really dictate our life. I think a practice that's really helpful when it comes to interacting with our partner, when it comes to our thoughts, is that if I acted on this thought with a friend, would this fly? Because if it wouldn't, then don't do it to your partner. Your partner is a human being. Your partner is a person. They have their own identity. Yes, they married you and made a vow for better or for worse, but they are still human. And what is unattractive is unattractive. And it's not helpful to you at all. I think the marital relationship is the friendship that should be the most honored and the most protected. I think we should treat our spouse the way we want to be treated. And that doesn't mean that they're always going to treat us the way they want to be treated. But I can't control my spouse. I can only control myself and I am responsible for my actions and my attitudes. I can't give marital advice. I don't have the perfect marriage and I'm not going to lie about that. But I can say how to control myself because that's the only person I know how to control. And you can only hope for the best, but you are responsible for you. There's no, like when you say, I'm going to act like this because my partner is acting like this or my friends or my kids are blah, 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 blah. You are giving up your power. You're giving up your only right, which is your internal environment, your attitude. And I mean, that's a choice you have to make. But I say, no matter what the people around me are doing, I'm not going to give up my power. I'm going to keep my power. I'm going to invest my power and grow my power because that's empowering. And I want that. And I have come to learn that when I take my power, that is when I feel the most secure. I also think that when you are super secure of yourself, your relationship thrives because being secure of yourself can only come when you are self-aware. And when you're self-aware, you start to understand how you want to be treated. And when you are respectful to yourself, that flows into your relationship because you start to realize if I want to be treated this way, then I need to treat my partner this way. And we start to develop an awareness and a respect for our partner and their feelings and their identity. Because when you start to look within and you start to understand your identity, you start to really, really appreciate it and honor it. And you cannot dishonor someone else's identity if you truly honor your own identity. Because when you have that understanding, it is a self-betrayal to dishonor someone else's identity.
And I think that's the richest thing that can happen in a, in a relationship to honor your partner's identity and really be happy for them when they do something that they desire. And even if it cuts into your time and it cuts into your comfort, when you really start to understand your desires and your be self-aware of you, you start to really appreciate your partner's desires and be aware of their needs and give them their space so that they can be the person they were meant to be and not try to adulterate that with your your ideas and your insecurities and what you want. And I think really the relationship starts to thrive and the attraction is like incredible because I think there's nothing more that we desire than to really live out our life experience. And when someone we're with allows us the space to be ourselves completely and appreciates that and just like encourages us, there's nothing more attractive. But until we are self-aware, we can't even offer that in our relationship. Something that I've really, really been learning in these last couple years is everything is hard work. And until you're really okay with working hard, you won't have a great life because everything is work. Even our emotional health is work. Our physical health is work. Our financial life is work. It's all work. And if you're not willing to work, then you're not going to have the things you desire in life. When it comes to feeling secure about yourself, it's going to take work. It's going to take effort and consciousness. And if you're not willing to show up for yourself, you're not going to have what you desire for yourself. And why wouldn't you do that for yourself? Because you're going to exist. As long as you're alive, you're here. So why would you want to have a mediocre life? Why would you want to feel not so great about yourself? Why would you want your relationships to be awful? And yes, you can't control your partner and that is true, but you can control your inner environment and you can find the strength eventually if your partner is unhealthy and you are truly, truly unhappy, you will find direction and courage to do what is healthy for yourself. And it might be painful and it will be hard work, but that is life. Life is hard work. And if we're not willing to do the work, we won't have what we deserve. <laughs>